Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Anyways, thank you. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Thank you for your kindness and your goodness. That's just going to sit with us today. Father, I thank you for the ability just to speak and teach your word this morning as best as I know how and everything that you've asked me to say. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a long way to go in a little short amount of time, so I'm going to try to get there. Um, I've changed my message about three times since yesterday, so (laughs) bear with me on if everything, I'm going to get there, I promise. Um, I started in one place, and what was interesting is I made the song list earlier in the week, and it ended up paralleling very well. I didn't intend to do that, but um, when I got into worship and Ashley started singing, I was like, yes, right, this is exactly where we need to go, in the direction that we need to go it. You know, life is an ongoing present thing, right? It's right. We are in a present moment. We talk about past, present, and future, but life is an ongoing present thing. Everything happens in the present. Um, We remember things in the past, and we hope to know and plan for the future, but it's in the present that we're at. And one of the things that we do is we always mark anniversaries, right? Birthdays, anniversaries, same day. Say every year we come and we acknowledge what was in the past, right? And we look forward to the future. Um, This year I turned 40 and I remember saying, I want to accomplish this by the time I'm 41. Have I started doing the things I said I wanted to accomplish? Kind of, okay? But I have a goal by the time I'm 41 to accomplish this. So every time, but I also reflected on what my life has led up by the time I turned 40. So I've looked back, but I also look towards the future. Kind of like um, when Moses was leading the children of Israel out, God stopped him and said, mark your beginnings here. We call that Passover. But he said, mark your beginnings are your beginning places where you started. I want to celebrate every time in the same day on the every year, right? It's important to remember because we don't know how far we have to go, but we do know how far we've come, right? No one in here can say, I know exactly when I'm going to die. None of us do. Some of us are shorter than others. Some of us are going to be 102. And on the Today Show with the jam, you know, when they say, Susie's 102. Y'all don't don't watch the news? I don't either. But I remember that when I saw that. And they're like, she's been living since whatever. Do y'all, anybody seen that on the Today Show? Okay, thank you. I'm not crazy. Right? But they don't know. So I don't know how far yet I have to go. But I do know how far I've come. Right? And every time I come to that place, I remember. I make a remembrance of it. So I'm not everything I can be, but I'm not where I used to be. So as of today, I'm not 39, right? I'm 40. So I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not 41 yet. So I'm not where I can be. Is everybody kind of following? There's a statement that says, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. So my understanding, sometimes we have to live in a season long enough to extract understanding from it. But it's lived forward, right? I can't go back in time. One of the things I say, um, if you're like in close relationship with me, is when I, w- when I first had my kids, I worked a lot. And that's one of, uh, I, don't, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it a regret, but something I wish I could go back in time and reevaluate how I did that. I wasn't, I didn't have people wise enough around me to say, Lindsay, stop doing that, this and this and this. Like, I literally worked all day, was at the studio all night. I mean, I didn't put Sailor to bed, but maybe twice a week, right? So I remember that, something that I remember, right? So, but I can't go back and change that. I can only move forward with how I parent her now, 
right? So now it's super important to me whether I'm there or not to try to call and make sure they know that I love them before they go to bed. So I have adjusted my life according to what I've known and learned from the past. So life can only be understood backwards. I can only understand where I'm at by looking at where I've been. But I can only live my life forward. So I can't go back and redo things, but I can adjust where I am now to live life forward. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. So in retrospect, right, we look back to review. Uh, sorry, some of my notes are a little crazy right now. We learn from our past. I let, not all our decisions are made for the future. It, because we don't know how they'll transpire. Or all our decisions are made for the future, but we don't know how they transpire. So every day when I wake up, I'm making future decisions. But I don't know how they'll play out. You know, I wouldn't say I'm the best at budgeting. That's not my forte. Like, I, I like to live life, <laughs> okay? So every once in a while, I go to my good friend, Parthenia, and I'm like, so how do you do that? Right? Like, I don't know, but I do know if I don't make present decisions on my budget, they will tra probably transpire not as though how I want them to. Right? I don't know what next year holds for me. I have a job now, that doesn't mean I have a job then. But I make decisions now as though I will. I'm conscious of making steps forward. Um, so I always love the story of Joshua and Moses, right? Because Joshua, in my, this is my personal opinion, Joshua lived his life in forward motion. He never lived his life thinking Moses would die. It's not like he said, you know what? I can't wait till he dies and I take his place. So I'm going to follow him around and just, you know, I'm going to wait for him to, you know. And then I'll take over and I'll lead all these people out and I'll be the winning person and everybody will write about me. I actually don't think he did that. I think he lived his life accordingly to be whatever Moses needed of him. And the day that Moses died, he was as shocked as everyone else. So he didn't know how that would transpire. He didn't know he'd lead the children of Israel. He didn't know any of that. But he lived his life according to that as though he could. And he did those things. So we live this life. Sometimes we have to live in a season long enough to extract understanding from it. We always, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I do this too. Lord, take it from me. Can you take this season, this to, I, uh, my favorite saying is like, can you send it in book form? <laughs> you know, can I get it in book form? I would love to hear that on audio, <laughs> not actual real life experiences, right? <laughs> like if I don't necessarily have to go through that, it, it, on audio, somebody else went through it and they wrote about it. <laughs> so I can learn from someone else's experience, but not all the time. So sometimes we're sitting in seasons that are uncomfortable and they're hard and we don't understand them and they don't always make sense. And sometimes they're confusing, right? They're this tennis match of confusion. I'll tell you why in just a second, but there's this season long enough that I need to stay in it just long enough that I extract understanding from it right because if I don't live in it long enough I can never say I went back and look how far I've come right so I have to look back to understand where I'm going but I have to stay in it long enough to understand it. Sometimes we're like, yep, nope, out of here. See you later. It's too tough. It's too uncomfortable. I feel overwhelmed. All of the things. Uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians, it makes a statement like, old things are passed away and all things become new. Yes, that is true. 
But if we look at that statement and just just kind of play around with it just a little bit, and I'm not trying to theologically debate here, but what if we, like, what if that's in a time of crisis? So it's taught me in a time of crisis, I have to go back to understand what the old things were for them to actually begin passing away. If I never understand what the old things were, I can never become new. So if I look at my life, and that's what trauma and therapy and those type of things are. But if I look at my life and I never understand where I came from, it's really hard for those things to pass away. What I mean by crisis, put yourself in a situation where it's very overwhelming whether that's finances, whether that's your relationship, whether things aren't going, whether you lose your job or something happens and you get in a place where things get tight. You exactly know what the type of person you are when things get tight. Are you the person that says, this is some, I gotta, I'm trying to figure out what the understanding of this is. What is it? What am I trying to learn here? What's the nature of this? Or am I... Everything's terrible. Life is over. I'm just going to go over. What, what is it? And then you know, hmm, there's something in me that isn't properly aligned with who he is. It's crisis that always brings us to a place. It doesn't mean that we're going to always respond and like, God is love and love is happening and this is so lovely and I'm just going to. Okay, like that's not what I'm meaning. I am a glasses half empty kind of gal, right? Like I'm never, and Josh is a glasses half full. That can cause contention. <laughs> and, and for me, I just want him to make aware that that's bad. And he's like, everything's good. That's bad, okay? And he's like, it's good. It's bad. Say it's bad. It's bad. And he's like, well, yes, it is bad, but it's good. No, it's bad. Just a period, period. Leave the period. <laughs> no worries. Y'all don't want to come to our marriage counseling. <laughs> Leave the period there. It's bad. There's no button comma. There is period. Okay. So when I get in a time of crisis, sometimes my life, and then I have to remember, Lindsay, because I will begin to go down a whole spiral over here. Doo, 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 doo. And then I, I hate everything, everyone, anything, what all's there, all the things, and all this. And here recently, the Lord's been challenging me on what is good. If you believe who you say I am, and sometimes it's like <clears throat> worship songs. <sighs> sure. You're more than able. But do I actually believe that? So when I come to a situation where I need him to be more than able, do I posture myself in that way that I believe that's who he is? Or do I posture myself differently? It's real easy when we're in here to sing something, but do we live out that song outside of here I'm there with you I'm asking myself the same questions okay what do I do what do I say um I can get around other people that are optimistic right or they believe certain things and I have to go I have to okay Lindsay <clears throat> what is actually in you that believes this thing is not necessarily going to come <laughs> the way I see it. But what is it in this situation that I need to see him? Where is it? Where does my adjustment? Because I can see bank accounts that don't line up with the amount of, over here that I need it to. But do I live accordingly to he's more able to exceed anything beyond my wildest dreams. But that doesn't mean he's going to fill that up to overflow. Or is he just going to, step by step, ah, there's the stone. I'm going to take that step. 
And then there's that one, and I'm going to take that step. So we've lived in a life where we feel like, oh, yeah, so I am winning when this is in overflow. And a lot of people preach about it, and we scream, we yell and shout about it, and that makes our cups overflow. And then we leave here, we feel so excited about life. And then Monday hits, and we're real confused of where the overflow went. Like, where'd it go? Because I logged into my bank account, <laughs> and nothing happened. <laughs> I don't know where that overflow happened. Or we're like, and somebody came up to me and gave me a check. And you like looking at people like, where my check? <laughs> Are you going to be it? <laughs> Are you going to help my overflow? And they're going to say all these things, which I think are powerful and wonderful, but sometimes not in reality. But instead of constantly for me, this is just for me, I have decided I, I do want to be, um, know that he can exceedingly meet my need. But I also want to be very aware that sometimes it's just step by step. It's not season jumping. It's not a, because, and I, as a parent, I know, like right now I have a 10-year-old. <clears throat> it's going to take all those years to get able to, for me to parent a 16-year-old. I'm not ready, right? I need all six years to get ready to parent a 16-year-old. Because every once in a while, I want to elbow the 10-year-old in the face. So I know I'm not ready for the 16-year-old. I'm like, who are you talking to like that? <laughs> you know, and, then, and he's very matter-of-fact, right? Like, he's like, I was asking a question. It was rude, okay? So I ask a different one. Um, but in this process, there is a step-by-step. -step. So if I skip every season to get to where I think I should be, I'm going to miss my understanding of the process. And I'll miss understanding of who I'm meant to be. Um, I made a statement a while ago, just on a post, and it had said, I feel like I was fake until I was like 35. And probably, <laughs> it's probably true, it's probably more of, I just didn't really know who I was. So I look at who I was at 30 when I had my children, and I wish I could go back and like wring her neck, right? Like, what's wrong with you? And then, thank you. And then 35, and when our world fell apart, and when our world fell apart, I was like, I don't, I don't know nothing. I don't know who my friends are. I don't know who loves us. I don't know who doesn't love us. I don't know why I'm selling my house. I don't know why I'm moving to Edmond. I swear to God, I told them I'd never move to Edmond. I don't even know why you came over to me asking me questions about anything. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do none of it. I am a very unaware. But if I would have stayed there and not gotten here, I would have never understood the process that the Lord's taking me to. And now, like, I love our house. I'm not trying to be, I just use it as an example, okay? But when you go from a house that you felt like was, I made it. You know, because I had a very small window where um, success was what house you lived in and what cars you drove. Yeah. Right? That's how you measured success. And so when I had to sell that house, I was real mad. Like I was, I, if Josh came in the room, I wanted to trip him. Like I was just like, I can't stand you. Like you're making my whole life is ruined because of you. Like it was just like this whole process and this thing. But I walked into my home not that long ago and I looked around and I said, I really love it here. But if I didn't, go through what I went through, I would have never understood where I'm at. Now, again, I wish that was all in book form. It would have been so much easier, a pain that I would have walked through, right? But I went through it, and now I'm here. And you know what? To be honest and transparent and vulnerable, still walking through it. I don't, the people that say that they've just like, all of a sudden it has passed, they're not telling the truth. <laughs> 
It's a continual walk out. It's building boundaries. It's building understanding of who you are. I didn't become better at handling, or the situation didn't go away. I became better and more mature about handling the situation. So it, everybody, we continually pray for the situation to go away instead of just asking for the maturity and understanding of the situation. So sometimes we go and I look at it and I'm like, mm, you know, why can't this just go away? Why can't the pain go away? Why can't the frustration just go away? Why can't, and I, why can't life just be easy? I just want to be easy. And not all the time. Instead of, I started changing a little bit around and asking the Lord, <clears throat> so it seemingly that you find me really amazing <laughs> because you continually to put me in situations that are hard. So you must think I'm strong. Thank you. Um, with that, um, with that ability, and I appreciate your kindness towards me. Can you give me the right mindset and tools to understand where I'm at and understand how to get through it? Right? Like, you know, me and God have a really sarcastic kind of relationship. Don't be upset about it. It's just a thing. So I have this understanding with him that it's like, since you think I'm awesome, great, great. Um, can you help me know how to get through it? Because I'm not understanding what you're saying. And then sometimes he gives clear direction. And then other times, it's like, hello, you there, excuse me, I'm kind of stressed, <laughs> right? And that's when I begin to understand that there's just, God is not interested always in what we say. Sometimes he is. Sometimes he is very Okay, I can say this. You can always predict who he will be. His character never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you can't always predict what he will do. So who he is is never changing. His character remains the same. But you can't always predict what God's going to do. There's never any inconsistency in his character. But sometimes his activity is unpredictable. Y'all think? I'll just tell you. Mark 5. Jairus comes to Jesus and says, my daughter is at the point of death. He moves immediately. It says in scripture, he moves immediately to go do that. And then in John 11, someone, or he hears about someone he loves deeply. It says it in scripture. He loved Lazarus deeply and his sisters. And when he gets word, he stays where he is and doesn't leave for two days. And then when he and then shows up four days later, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, sir. I was just wondering, <laughs> you know, so same concept, both are sick, <laughs> you know, why did you, just, what, what was special about her, like, you could just move immediately, right, um, I'm over here, and dead, like, what's happening, <laughs> I need to know, did he do the same thing when he got, yes, is in, he never is inconsistent in who he is. But sometimes he's not always going to do it the way we think he will. So if we read Mark 5 and say, God's going to show up for me like he did that daughter. Real quick, immediately, suddenly, it's going to appear. It's like a, this magical thing that just happened. And then you happen to be Lazarus. <clears throat> just see, if I wasn't Mary Martha, I'd be like, excuse me, um, I said he was sick, you know, like the one that you loved. I didn't say that you said that. I'm just saying what you said. 
And um, you are not, I do this with my husband all the time. He is on slow mode and I am on fast mode. And I'm like, hey, <clears throat> we're going to do this. And he's like, sure. Just to reiterate, I was talking about now. <laughs> like, not tomorrow. He's like, I am. Faster. <laughs> we got in the car the other night. We got in the car and we were talking about something. We had board meetings and elder meetings this week and things like that. And I said, I understand. I am faster than you in thought process and action and all that. <clears throat> But if these couple of things, <laughs> if you could do them by tomorrow, that would be helpful. And he's like, mm, okay. Okay. So you have this difference between immediately and suddenly and four days later. <laughs> Different personalities. <laughs> right? The course and the quality of your life will be determined by what you didn't see coming. The course and the quality of your life will be determined by what you didn't see coming. I'm just going to reference it because I don't have a, a ton of time. I was going to read 1 Samuel chapter 1. It's a story about Hannah, Paniah. Break it down really easy. Paniah had children, Hannah didn't essence of the story, right? Hannah didn't understand it. Paniah bothered her with it, right? So year, it says year by year, they went to the temple. And year by year, Hannah was reminded of what she didn't have. You know, as a we can, I don't want to totally reference in just uh, relating it to pregnancy, but it's a really good um, visual, okay? So um, in that situation, she's going to, place, to a place where maybe she sees the things that she doesn't have. When you come to a place of worship, sometimes you see things that you don't have in someone else. And then what if that someone else reminds you of all the things you don't have? They say that, uh, well, in my own verbiage, an irritation. She was an irritation to Hannah of remembering. I don't know how that went. I could play it out. I am a woman. I understand what irritation means. I can figure out what they did to each other, right? And sometimes when you have, when Hannah became frustrated, I thought it was very interesting. I don't have time to totally go into it. But Paniah, he would give, he gave one portion of the food or sacrifice to Paniah, and two, a double portion to Hannah. Now, Hannah had no children. So you knew he loved her. And what makes it very interesting is that she began to cry out to the Lord. Oh, she went back and she made what I would say a petition to God. And she was very precise on what she asked for and what she was going to give back once she got it. A lot of us have, there's different prayers that people have prayed, um, but she was very precise in what she asked for and what she would do once she got it, right? But in that moment, she had to be very confused. She was being loved on one end of the spectrum, so she was being loved by her husband, giving double portion. He was probably trying to make her life as much as she could, those kind of things. But then being provoked and irritated by another part of her family. So she has this back and forth sense of, I feel love, but I also feel irritation. There's these things, right? It's kind of like we hit seasons where we're in the best place. Money is just the easiest way to reference it. We might be in the best place we've ever been financially, but yet we've 
gained more irritation in some way of we now we have a huge medical bill that we can't pay for. Or we're in a place where we feel the most uh, in relationships. We found somebody that we love, but yet <clears throat> they also have this on this side where we haven't dealt with our trauma and we're bringing it into our relationship. So you have these two sides of this balancing act for her in, from when I was just reading scripture. So it's kind of like, God, you told me no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It feels totally like something's prosperous. I need to understand what's happening. See, in Hebrews, it states there is a throne of grace when we have need. Are we as needy as we think? Have we postured ourselves at his feet? Have we, so if he has a throne of grace and they're just waiting, whatever, whatever you need. But how needy are you? How, what is your posture like? What are you doing before him? What does that look like? God is more committed to your sanctification than he is your comfort. He wanted to birth something in Hannah's heart as well as her womb. It was a twofold thing. That's why when I look at situations, I'm like, okay, God, what am I, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to put, what are you trying for me to, to think of and grasp? Little negative Nancy Lindsay over here is going to find every bad thing wrong with it. But what are you trying to do in my life to posture myself before you? See, it goes later on in scripture where she begins to say her petition or her prayer towards the Lord. Hannah doesn't begin her prayer with a problem. We have a tendency to pray with our problem first. Hannah begins her prayer with a name. It says, O oh Lord of hosts. O oh Lord of hosts. That means he's sovereign. And he won't, can't change. So she's asking for something, calling out at the beginning who he is and what she needs. She's putting a name to something she needed. James writes in chapter 4, When you asked, you did not receive because you've asked in the wrong motive for your own gain and, and pleasures. I thought it was interesting that Hannah goes on to say in the scripture that she references, I will give him back to you. So I want you to fulfill my need of anguish. But then I'm going to turn around and give them right back to you. So, and that's different in various people if we, I don't have time to go into it, but various people in the Old Testament that uh, barrenness and infertility is pretty common, uh, in, especially through Genesis to Samuel. There's various people um, that were barren, Rachel, Rebecca, Sarah, and they all handle it very differently. But Hannah did it in the way where when she prayed, she said, I need this from you and I will in return give it right back to you. What's the name of God you need to employ in this season of your life? Is it Savior Sometimes we focus a lot on our own sin and shame instead of the salvation we've received. So you, do you need to call him Savior? What about Father? Maybe you need to be embraced by Abba. So my prayer needs to start. 
Oh, Father, that art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or is it Jehovah Rapha? Because I need a healing. See, I'm going to put a name on something. And I'm going to be precise at what I need. And I'm going to walk into my situation in my season with a name of what it is that I need. Or is it Jehovah Jireh? Because I need provision. Is it Jehovah Shalom? Because I need peace in this storm. Is it Jehovah Nisi? It's a banner that covers over us. What is it? Everybody has a season. Everybody's in a situation. It's what are you going to name it? How about we stop starting our prayers with our problem and start starting our prayers with a name? What is the name? See, are you desperate enough to walk into a temple year after year, not yet having your need met? To say, I need you. And I need this from you. That doesn't mean he's always going to meet it the way that we think he will, right? This concept of this overflow, right? That's a little bit unhealthy. So we get and we have an expectation of exactly how it's going to come. Sometimes we don't, we don't go into the altar of the temple because we feel shame. He doesn't want to hear from me. He doesn't want to hear from me. I've done too much. Or a burden. I don't want to be a burden. I feel like I've been a burden. Uh, the past year, I've come to him with the same thing. I don't want to be a burden. Or this is what I have noticed in my own life. Maybe a little bit of arrogance. You're so used to succeeding at everything, you're not as needy as you should be. So when turmoil happens, you're thrown off by it. Because I wasn't as needy as I should have been in his throne room. Needy in retrospect, don't focus on the negative. I need him. I want him. I desire him. So now I'm trying to take my own life and walk in with exact precise things. Father, Jehovah, this is what I need. And I am going to stay on this path and follow every direction you have for me in every situation until I see what you see. Give me eyes to see what you see. Give me feet to walk where you walk. You know, because I had an unhealthy view, probably still do, of what success looks like. Does success in numbers and money or is it in value and relationship? So I can take, I don't care, I'll just be vulnerable. Some of you know me, some of you don't. I can take the studio that I own. Is it frustrating that it's not at the numbers I want it to be? Yes. Am I at a place where I don't meet budget all the time? Yes. Do I smile and keep going and on the inside of the thing going, what's happening? Why do you keep sending things to make it work, but yet can't meet the budget? Some of you don't have business, you don't necessarily understand, but let me tell you, it's not easy. So why do you keep doing this? So I finally can walk into a situation and I just walk in. I called my studio manager the other day and I just walked in there. I was like, this is what we're doing. We're going to believe for this and this and this. And she was like, what happened to you? I don't know. <laughs> but this is the direction we're going. We're not going to focus on competition. We're going to focus on our future. We're not going to focus on this and that, but we're going to focus on this. Because this is what God's called us to be. 
And as long as I focus on what God's called me to be, I'm not worried about everything else. And if three months from now we shut those doors, I know exactly I did exactly what he asked me to do. Because the only reason I would be upset about that is for my own pride of saying because somebody else might say I failed. But then I looked back on it and said I've had 16 years where over 1,500 students have come through the door. I'm not saying that to pat me on the back. That's, it's been hellacious. <laughs> it hasn't been easy. But they've walked through the door and they've been able to be loved on and they've been able to be motivated. They've been able to be, we've had the opportunity so if I look at what is in the present without looking back on where we've come, I will be frustrated continually. But I look back on the seasons I've walked through because at the moment, there's always the mountain in front of you is the largest mountain you'll ever face. And when you get past it, you're like, oh, this is the largest mountain I've ever faced. But as I get there, I look at it and go, you know what? We've come a long way. And you know, I don't know what's in front of me, but I'm going to celebrate where I am now. And whatever I need, I'm going to go to the throne room of grace and name it. I'm going to name it. In the prayer at the garden, I'll end with this. You can come, please. Jesus had went to the Gethsemane. He's with the disciples. And here, Jesus prays the greatest prayer in the world. What hung in the balance was the glory of God's grace and the salvation of the world. The success of Jesus' mission to the earth depended on Jesus' prayer and the answer given in that moment. Before the angel came to strengthen him, Jesus prayed that the cup be removed. That's in Luke 22, 42. He said, Jesus prayed, take this cup from me. I don't want it no more. <laughs> I was joking. You know, can we do a different salvation direction right so that says the angel came to strengthen him strengthen him for what because at that point we don't know everything that's going to happen he doesn't know he has an idea but he doesn't know what it would feel like to have stripes hit upon his back he had never had that before he didn't know what it would feel like to carry a cross because he hadn't ever carried one before. He can imagine being a carpenter, what it would take. But he was at a place where he had not yet come to what was in front of him or his future. And he strengthened presumably for what he would do. The angel was God's response to Jesus's first prayer. And what I take from it and God, the way that I feel like the angel came and said, hey, there's no other way to get through this, but I'll help you. I can't remove that cup from you, but I'm going to help you. I don't know what it'll feel like. I can't tell you all. I can't take the pain away. I can't take your frustration away. I can't take your lack of understanding away. But what I can say to you is I'll help you. So when you go and you get beaten and you hang on a cross and you do all the things that you were meant to do when you came to this earth, I'll help you. I'll help you. So do not turn from your mission now. 
despite the terrifying prospect of what will come because I'll help you. So Jesus did not go on praying for the cup to pass. He changed his prayer and said, help me drink from it. So not take this away, but help me be successful in drinking it. Because I know what I've been asked to do. Not all of us will be in that situation. I'm giving just perspective. So if you're in life and you're going through a situation where you feel like, why is this cup so hard? Why is this irritation here? I don't understand all the things that are happening in front of me because I have no prospect to which to understand them. He's not necessarily going to always come and take it from you. Sometimes he will. But what he will always do is help you. And every time you walk, he'll help you. Just like it said in Hebrews, the grace, the throne room of grace and whatever you have need of. How needy are you in the throne room? What are you going through that you have to name that you need? When you leave this place today, just ponder that. What is it that I need in this season of my life? And it might be super simple and it might be really complex. And then ask him, don't ask him to take something. Ask him in the success of how to do it. How do I walk through this with your help? So if my marriage is in shambles, how can I get through this the best way I can? If I hate my job, he might not take the job from you because you got bills to pay. Okay? They ain't disappearing. Somehow they're getting higher. I don't know how it is. But how do I successfully succeed in an environment that I don't find pleasurable? My family is in shambles. How do I get through drinking this cup? What is it? that's irritating you that you need to name in the throne room. That's why when it said, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy, you're worthy of it all. No matter my circumstances, no matter what lies in front of me, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy of it all. I posture myself in the throne room and I'm going to put names on it. I'm going to put Savior on it and I'm going to put Father on it and I'm going to put Jehovah Rapha on it and Jehovah Nisi because there's a banner that's waving over this place. There's a banner that's waving over this place. Some of you just need to name it where you are. I'm not usually one to do altar call type things, but some of you need to name it where you are. What is it that you need? Maybe you need to call him friend because you're lonely.
today and we spend the rest of our afternoon eating and spending time with family or relaxing I pray that you meet us in those moments in the simplicity of life you show up in our kitchens and in our living rooms Jesus name and I thank you for every person in this room that as they go home they'll be just touched by the presence of God we're thankful for you today we're thankful for them we're thankful for this house and this family and as we continue to grow we're going coming up on three years we're thankful for where we've been and we're thankful for where we're going in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen thank you for coming We love you guys so much. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.